This week, we're setting the popcorn time machine back to February 13th, 1998, putting on our best thriller jackets and rocking out. Step on in as we navigate and gauge us that we're all just bullshit. And remember, we have the microphones and you don't, so you will listen to every damn word we have to say. And we are back, Popcorn Time Machine, our second episode. This week, we are going into The Wedding Singer, a classic. You know him, you love him, Adam Sandler. But this, this was the first movie that really cemented Adam Sandler in that comedy sphere. This this was the trajectory for the Sandler-verse with it. You had before then, you had him in stuff like Airheads, and Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, but this was the one that really set him on that path. And interestingly enough, this is an anniversary year. This is 26 years of The Wedding Singer. This came out February 13th, 1998. So this little romance, romantic comedy, very feel good. It starred obviously Adam Sandler, we talked about him, but it also included Drew Barrymore, Christine Taylor, and just a bunch of, you know, Sandler's buddies. You had Alan Cover in there, you had Steve Buscemi making an appearance, you had a whole bunch of stuff, you had Kevin Nelson in there. So this is just, you know Adam Sandler's crew, and you know he's going to bring them with him. They're all involved in this piece. It's directed by Frank Caracci. He's also known for working with Sandler on Click and The Waterboy. So they had a very successful, busy year in that 97 because they were filming Waterboy and Wedding Singer probably around 96, 97, and they both dropped in 98. Interesting that they put them both out in the same year, but this did get pushed because they wanted this to be in that Valentine's Day style theater experience. So they ended up pushing it from 97 to 98 so that way they could hit that market. And then 98 with the Waterboy, they obviously released that because they wanted to be associated with football. But we are talking about the Wedding Singer today, so Let's dive in. You're the wedding singer. Yeah. How you doing? I'm Robbie. I'm Julia. That's what we're going to be diving into today. And obviously, I can't do this alone. So with us in the time machine today, we have Jimmy. Hey. We have Diaz. Yeah, yeah. We have Kevin. Hello again. And we have Sil. What is good? So we have the whole crew here taking this movie from 98, zapping it. Fast forward to 2024, where we can dissect and talk about this movie, what worked for it, what didn't work for it, what would we change, all kinds of good stuff. But before we do get into that, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening along and joining us on this this new journey of ours. If you are not following us on any of our socials right now, that'd be a good time to pull those up. So head over to Instagram. You can follow us at Popcorn Time Machine Pod. And if you go over to our YouTube page, you can you can check, see our videos there too. We are uh, not in video format yet. That might be something we move towards in the future, but we do upload all of our episodes there. So if you are listening there uh, or on just Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whichever, be sure you're subscribing, liking, and giving us those little five-star reviews because they do go a long way when it comes to those crafty little algorithms. So let's get into this. So real talk. Let's talk about this movie before we just kind of fully jump into it, right? What did we think about this movie? You know, just quick little brief of, you know, what you thought about it. Do you remember the first time you saw it? You know, where does it sort of, you know, does it stick out to you in any way? So let's let's kind of go around the horn real quick before we jump in. So, Jim, what do you think of this, uh, The Wedding Singer? This has always been one of my favorite movies. Um, like, I like how uh, how accurate it is for the 80s. I love how, you know, like... You've got even like 
in the beginning of the movie where you see the very first wedding dress, it's like that, like lace, the, the wife's got the lace gloves. You see, what's her name? Um, Christine Taylor and the, the spandex, uh, with the, with the tights underneath cooking breakfast with the headband. I just love how like for 85, how pretty accurate it is clothing wise. I like the, love the soundtrack and all in all, it's a really good, just quality film. I love the, it's got a really good, like wholehearted feeling. Uh, and it's always just been one of my favorites as far as like Sailor goes. Yeah. Speaking of soundtracks, that's a uh, little fact I got for once we get into that segment, but it's, it's definitely very accurate. And it's very funny that <laughs> our second episode takes place the same year that our first episode did when we talked about back to the future. So uh, Diaz, what'd you think about this one? Oh, I love it. Listen, this is one of the first comedies and first movies. You pay attention so much to the background characters in this. Everyone is funny in this movie from one little scene with one little kid to the old man in the back, to the drummer. If you look at the drummer in the band, he looks like he's 90. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's little things that are just hilarious in this that you don't pay attention to. This is the, the one-liners from everyone. The, the way the music just goes perfect. This is the 80s. It's just hilarious to me. Yeah, everybody in this movie, these those side characters are just, you know, out of this world. They're just smashing home runs every time they set, set up to bat. Yeah, so. just all of them. Preview yeah. early, uh, preview for later when we get into that. I have, I recasted a lot of this movie. We're going to have fun with mine. All right. I can't <laughs> wait for that. Uh, Kevin, wedding singer. What are we thinking? Oh, it's a, it's a fun one. Um, it's Adam Sandler, right? So it's not supposed to be deep. I mean, predictable storyline from a mile away, but, but who cares? And who doesn't like to make fun of the eighties, right? I mean, and that's, that's coming from someone that owned parachute pants and skinny ties. They did a great job of immersing you into the eighties. And although it's an Adam Sandler film, I think in this, he, he's not, he doesn't play as much of that man child role that he, that he does in some. So that, that, that's a plus. So, I mean, it's, it's almost, as we say, this is one of those guilty pleasure things because you really shouldn't enjoy um, a rom-com. But I think this is this is pretty fun to watch. Yeah. And Sil, have you seen this movie before? Because I know one of the fun things about this this podcast is that we all have such different connections to these movies. Some some of them we've seen in theaters. Some of them we've you know seen because they were just on the VHS shelf growing up. And then some we just may have missed. So have you have you seen this one previously or where, where is this? Dude, I love that question. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> the first time I watched The Wedding Singer was actually last year. Last year, I got married last year, and this is one of my one of my wife's favorite movie. Like she, I actually watched it with her recently again, and I don't know. She could quote the entire movie. She loves it. It's it's a big part of her life, <laughs> and I am um, I'm just happy like I got to enjoy it again. I'll be honest. The first time I watched it, I'm like, all right, this is just another old movie. But uh, rewatching and taking the time to take it all in, I love this movie. It's hilarious. It's uh, I think you know everybody can like hit hit it on the head, and it's simple. It's it's just you know everybody. It's so intentional with the little jokes, the little puns, the little one liners, and I I had a blast. And yeah, loved it. Yeah, this is just uh, this. I feel like is one of the Adam Sandler movies that personally I haven't gone back to as often as I have the other ones. And I don't know why, because as we've rewatched this movie, getting ready for this episode, I just really fell back in love with it. But this definitely was made because Adam Sandler just loves to sing. You know, he, he was, he's not a great singer, but he liked doing it. This was, I used to listen to a lot of Adam Sandler's comedy CDs when he did, you know, Ode to my car and like the little skits and stuff like that. And it was, this was him taking 
that aspect of his pre movie star life and trying to bring it in, I think. And, it, and to Kevin's point, this was a good switch from that man child character that he's played previously when he led up to this with Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. This guy's, I mean, at least got a job. You know, he's he might be living in his sister's basement, but he's got a job. He's in a you know committed relationship at the time. And I just, I don't know. I like, I like the switch up of him. This definitely was his sort of coming out. You know, this was like the first time any of his movies made over a hundred million dollars, but he was on that trajectory where Billy Madison made like 25 million Gilmore almost doubled that with 41. And then he, you know, he did bulletproof and that did okay. But this was his first time breaking that hundred million dollar mark. And and after that, he's been pretty consistently in that $150, $200 million range. If you put Sandler in a movie, people are going to show up. So I, I I do like that aspect of it. So Jimmy, why don't you, you are our IMDB. Let's, let's kind of go into the history of this movie's cast and crew and stuff like that before we, we really dissect it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like once you see any co-star in an Adam Sandler film, they kind of all just pop up in, in his movies years years down the road. And obviously, I think this is him and Julia, um, sorry, not Julia, Drew Barrymore's uh, first, I think, co-starring gig together. And uh, they just, I mean, I can see why. He just seems to, you know, whoever he works with, he seems to have a really good chemistry with. And him and, him and Drew Barrymore are so good together. And then you got his best friend, Sammy, the limo driver, Alan Covert, who's been in countless movies with him, even on, you know, the CDs with Stan and Judy's kid. And I forgot what his first CD was. But and then you got the, in, in the wedding, you also have as one of the groomsmen, uh, Peter Dante. <laughs> who plays Dante and Grandma's Boy, who's uh, always, you know, selling main character, who's also Ellen Covert, Weed. Um, and then Steve Buscemi, you know, constantly has been in Adam Sandler flicks from Big Daddy, Billy Madison. Interesting enough, though, like a little behind the scenes, uncredited edit or writing-wise was Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. Princess, you know, Carrie Fisher wrote the help write the script with uh, a very new and up-and-coming guy that we would know who's kind of shaped our comedies growing up with Judd Apatow. This is the Adam Sandler, Judd Apatow and Carrie Fisher uncredited, uh, didn't get credit for it, but they helped uh, write the script and director Frank Carucci came to Carrie Fisher to polish up the script and she spent yeah. six months on it. Yeah. She, she, she did a lot of that stuff behind the yep. scenes for a lot yeah. of different movies, right? Yep. Yep. And she, you know, it was her mission to add heart and strength and dimension to uh, Drew Barrymore's Drew Barrymore's character, Julia. Well, you got to remember, whenever you think of Drew Barrymore, you think of Princess Leia. So, you know. Yeah, Yeah, right. And um, yeah, so uh, no, just really cool. I love I I love when, you know, I mean, we see it time and time again with, you know, a lot of collaborations and stuff. I've always liked how Sandler's just kind of used, I wouldn't call them no namers, but they always like Alan Covert, Peter Dante for, you know, have always popped up in his movies. You know, I mean, even in Happy Gilmore, Alan Covert plays the homeless guy that he gives the caddy job to, you know, Peter Dante plays the quarterback in Waterboy. Then they're another gay couple in, in Big Daddy. I mean, they're always just, I love how he uses his guys and obviously he uses SNL friends too, like Spade and, and Rob Schneider, Kevin James. I mean, I know he's not SNL, but you know, he kind of filled that void, I think for like Chris Farley. Uh, so, mm-hmm. yep. And R.I.P. Marley, man. Yeah, R. so I, 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 it seems mm-hmm. to me whenever whenever someone works with Sandler, they just love working with him. I mean, Jennifer Aniston loves working with him. Uh, I mean, Drew, really, this was the, yep. like a, the kickstart of their like romantic that's trilogy. I, yeah, that's what I, you know, I think this is the first film they did together. And, and they've got, 
you know, you can really see the friendship there, I think, behind the scenes. Uh, I think they've got just great chemistry. And even for, like, the acting chops from Sandler, like, it's not like what, like, like Kev said, it's not one of those man you know, Robbie Hart's got a little bit of depth and he's kind of a sad character throughout the whole film. And it's good to see Adam Sandler kind of, you know, tap into that a little bit early on, especially coming off of films like Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Um, and it still has that lovable, like, humor, like, you know, man-child humor. And I love it. It's a, it's a great man film. Child. And yeah, those are some of those facts. Nice. Yeah, that was the Carrie Fisher one was really interesting to me, too, because I feel like at that time she was she was trying to become a screenwriter. So she was doing as many of these punch up jobs as she could get her hands on to just to get some some experience. So that was a real interesting note there. Let's head over to our what I like to refer to as our resident factician. (laughs) Kevin loves scouring the internet for all these random little tidbits that you let's call it movie history. So what did you unturn under the rocks of the the wedding well, I think the main the main backstory to this and I think you, a couple of people have mentioned it is it is the first time that they worked together drew and, and Adam and and the backstory to that is that it was in the late 90s when drew was trying to get back into you know her acting career if you know her story she took the typical child star path and party party child girl of the 80s and then had some rough times and around this time she was trying to get back into more prominent roles and she had just started a production company called flower films and i don't know if it was a premonition or whatever but she said she was she was she was convinced that for some reason her and adam were supposed to do a movie together hadn't worked together didn't know each other and she just reached out to him and convinced him to meet her she met him at a diner he at the time had Happy Madison production company, and she was telling him that, look, we're, we need to do a movie together. It's just supposed to be. She said she wanted to create this new modern Hepburn, Tracy, old Hollywood couple uh, dynamic. And so he agreed to it. She sent him a couple scripts. She never heard back from him. And then when he came across, so when he was working this idea about the wedding singer concept, he sent it to her. They got together, and and then that's how it how it happened. So it was all all because of her reaching out to him. So that's how they actually started working together. And again, I think they went on to do three now, right? They did 50 first dates and blended, I think were the next two, the other two they did. Yeah. Blended doesn't get enough love, but 50 first dates is an amazing movie as well. Yeah. And yeah, they've, they definitely nailed it. And so a couple of the small things we mentioned that Adam Sandler loves to sing. I mean, who doesn't remember the famous Turkey song? <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> wow. Wow. I did forget about that. Yep. Sloppy Joe's. <laughs> oh, the lunch lady. No surprise. He 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 wrote, you know, the somebody kill me, which, you know, lyrical genius, if you ask me. Um, <laughs> and then obviously the um grow old with you. Mm-hmm. Interesting enough about that song, the, the the song that he sings, you know, in the final scenes, is he wasn't allowed to play that for Drew at all. So that her reaction to that when they filmed the final scene was the first time she had ever heard the song. And that's a beautiful it's a her reaction is beautiful. Beautiful. So another just smaller but interesting thing is everybody loves the the rapping the rapping granny, oh, yeah. the actress who played oh yeah the actress who played her I think it's Ellen Al- Albertini Dow I think was her name she was eighty four when she did that like and had they said she had no concept of what rap music was and she <laughs> took it on and learned the whole thing and then she went on to, to live to be one hundred and one uh, wow she died in two thousand what a trooper and her IMDb she's got. 109 movies to her credit. And I guess she was a movie coach for a long time and then took her first part herself in 1985 and then went from there. And like I said, 109 movies. I mean, I think, I mean, that's a, 
that that's a character that you don't find in many movies, right? So that just there's a lot of characters in this that we'll talk about, but they've just really they spiced this movie or, or seeded this movie with a whole bunch of pretty good characters for a pretty light, fun movie. So 109, 109 movies living to 101 years old. She did a movie a year? Respect. She, I mean, she, yeah. Started at age one, <laughs> or, or yeah, who knows how many she did a year? But yeah, I mean, she she must have been pushing them out then at that point. I mean, si- silent movies were what forty minutes long. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's quite a resume. Like respect. She uh, she's still one of my favorite parts of the movie for sure. Uh, yeah. So a couple little notes that I had found too. Uh, and I didn't notice these until I was watching some, you know, different YouTube channels and stuff like that. And I don't know how many of you know this person, but comedian Brian Posehn. Does anybody know who that name know sounds him familiar? Sounds, the, I'm he's a, like the big comedy guy. Yeah, he's like the big burly bearded kind of comedian. Oh yeah, yeah, he's, yeah one of, he's, he's one of the mutants in Table Nine. Yeah, 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 with no beard, no, you know, he's got no hair, so it's very easy to miss him, but. Yeah, that's that was one. And and funny enough too, the success of this translated into a, a musical adaptation. Uh and it was kind of more well received than the movie and it got six Tony Award nominations for the actual uh, theater play of it. And then the other two notes I had, Jimmy, you mentioned the soundtrack and how like perfect this thing was. This the soundtrack went double platinum. It, soundtracks just don't do that. Movie soundtracks don't do that and this one did and it did so well that it it garnered them to have the volume two, which included yeah. some of Sandler's songs. It was also the number one album in Australia that year. <laughs> and then I think one of you had mentioned Chris Farley as one point too, and and he was actually Sandler was really trying to get Farley in this movie. He was supposed to cameo at the end of this film as the ticket agent, but New Line just saw him as too much of a liability because of his you know, very well-known, well-documented drug drug problems, but Sandler tried his best to get him in and they just, they completely vetoed that. And then unfortunately, Farley died from a drug overdose just a month and a half before this movie premiered because he died in that December. Oh, wow. 97. So he was supposed to be the flock of seagulls guy. Yes. Yes. Which (laughs) who knows how that would have (laughs) went. But yeah, that, those were some, fun little interesting notes. Did anybody have any other little like tidbits of, of, you know, background movie history stuff on this, or should we dive right into our stop it segment? One, one small thing that, well, there's one small thing that most people probably know, but I found it was interesting because this part was so iconic to the movie that that jacket she wears through the entire movie that like makes her character wasn't part of like the script or part of wardrobe. The director saw her wearing it. It was her own jacket and just saw her wearing it one day and said, I want you to wear that in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, one of mine was, it was pretty funny when, you know, Linda comes back the second time and when she answers the door to Julia, she's wearing a Van Halen t-shirt and <laughs> Robbie says, take that Van Halen t-shirt off before you jinx the band and they break up. Well, David Lee Roth left that year in 85. Please get out of my Van Halen t-shirt before you jinx the band and they break up. I did see that. And I saw like a real deep dive on that one. And based off of when the wedding was in the movie, if this was set in that time, he would have actually already have left the band in that like week or month or so. So it was sort of like a, you know, a, a miscue on the date based off of like the wedding date. And when he says that at that point, David Lee Roth had already left, but just a little well, overlook in the, in the, in the missed cue department, then 
the, the older couple that's celebrating their 50th anniversary, the woman he's teaching to sing the song on their wall in their house, it has their wedding picture and it says 1948. Well, that would have been 50 and 50th year anniversary for the year the film was actually made, but not for the eighties when it was set. Uh, nice. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, they dropped I, lo- I love movie mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Script supervisor dropped the ball on that one. All right, well, let's get into our segments here. So we have our stop it segment. So we're talking the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good, obviously, we're all just going to kind of pick one scene each that we really enjoyed that really stuck out to us that we had to kind of replay. The bad, well, you guessed it. It's pretty much the exact opposite of that. And then the ugly, the ugly is just one scene or one one thing from this movie that just doesn't quite hold up over time. You could say that it aged like fine milk. But let's get into these goods real quick. So, Sil, we haven't heard from you in a little bit. Let's. What was your good, like, what was your number one scene that was just like, wow, this is, I got to rewatch this one. When you put it like, wow, I got to rewatch this. I mean, I watched the granny rap at least four times. <laughs> and I mean, I, I, it, it might have not made the movie, but bruh, it was, I was so funny. But uh, but yeah, that, that that was one of the parts I enjoy, I enjoy a lot about the movie. I said hip. I also one of my favorite characters is Sammy uh, on this movie. I think Alan Culver like, plays just a phenomenal role. Uh, I, I do enjoy like secondary characters a lot. And just his lines are just hilarious when he is uh, in the limo trying to like, you know, running around the cones <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> And, uh, you know, they're just giving him shit. Like, oh, you got to be better. Like, shoving the mannequins in the back. (laughs) Yeah, dude. And then. The cones. Yeah, towards the end. Yeah, towards the the end. That line. (laughs) That line is so like, come on, man. Give me a fucking break. Those could have been our wedding guests. You hit two cones. Those could have been people. Those could have been guests at her wedding. They were cones. I that I lost it. There's so funny. It's so simple, and it's so like it says so much. There we go. Come on. Uh, and, and then he's so serious about it when he gets back yeah. to the house later. He looks, he leans over, and he says, "I, I did get the job, though, right?" Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, it, uh, he switches it up. I love it. Their, their relationship, you know, uh, Robbie and Sammy. It's like. They're so different, but they're kind of like in the same boat, and it's hilarious. I enjoy that. Yeah, you do buy in. You believe that that chemistry right there, and obviously it ties into the fact that, yes, off screen there is chemistry. They are friends, but that that works perfectly. You know, that that makes it. So, Kevin, what's your what's your good, like, stop it scene for oh, this movie? It's, it's hard in this movie to pick one, but it's it's got to be the, um, the first gig back wedding speech. You know, it's funny. Some of us will never ever find true love. Like take for instance, me. And I'm pretty sure that guy right there. And that lady with the sidebars. And basically everybody at table nine. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> the mutants. The mutants at table nine. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, I guess I'd have to pick that one if I have to narrow it down. The whole Classic. love stinks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the stinks. <laughs> Holiday. God. Yeah, that one is just, <laughs> I can't believe he came back already. And then back to, you know, Sill's point of Alan Coward just playing good. It's like, yeah, I don't know why he did it yeah. either. You know, the scene <laughs> previously, he was the one telling him to get back out <laughs> <Tell> there. <him. laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Uh, Diaz, what do you got for your good stop it? 
Dude, honestly, my good stop it is what the movie was about, man. The scene on the plane with the damn song, bro. When he sung that song to her, I felt like the biggest softie in the world. I got teary-eyed, man. When he was singing was to Julia, good. I was like, yo, dude, that's love right there. I want to find that. When I first saw this, I was like, yo, I want that. I want that type of love with Billy Idol on a plane and singing in first class. That's what did it for me. I love that scene first class. at the end he of the movie. He towel in his shirt. <laughs> and though he gives it back to her. He puts it, it on top of the other ones. I love in that scene where he's telling the love story in first class and everyone's just gathered around and Billy Idol's yeah. just yeah. Like, like leaning over the seat and just like really into it. <laughs> yeah, I, dude, I love that whole scene on the plane. And dude, how many times did they show the plane in the air? Like for no reason. I know. Yep. Yep. They kept cutting back to it to like, I think, try and transition. tell us it's on different planes or something. I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> and I think Julia's reading Rolling Stone and I think, isn't Billy Idol on the cover? Yeah. 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 <laughs> And that whole the in a part of that scene too that that I, the payoff where you know they had the conversation earlier about how Robbie couldn't you know his girlfriend wouldn't give him the the window seat uh, yeah. or whatever, <laughs> and then because Glenn you know Glenn I can't do it they you know the little carts always hit me but you're smaller <laughs> she gets whacked in the she arm by the drink yeah, dude, when Glenn says you know what honey it's okay you can lean over me <laughs> such a gentleman I love that scene bro just that. That ending was the good for me. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, what's your good scene? Oh, my absolute favorite scene is uh, another is Adam Sandler alum, uh, John Lovitz, <laughs> trying <laughs> out go. Yep. Uh, Ladies' Night. That's it. Sophisticated yep. Mama. Yes, it's Ladies' Night, and the feeling's right. Oh, yes, it's Ladies' Night. Oh, what a, oh, what a night. Oh, yes, it's Ladies' Night. Yeah, he's losing his mind, and I'm reaping all the benefits. Like that's, uh, I love John Lovitz. He's so funny. Yeah, that's you my absolute a, stop it scene. And you find a DJ with moves like this. Good luck right. finding like, a DJ who can move and shake like this. Need to get a DJ. Single baby. Yeah, I'm glad that you guys all took all of the other ones I had because my number one is still on the board. My number one scene, and what a way to kickstart this movie with Steve Buscemi and his best man toast. (laughs) Harold would never beat up his landlord. Remember that time in Puerto Rico when we picked up those two, uh, well, I guess they were prostitutes, but I don't remember paying. Okay, how about that? How about that? Terrific. I'm a person too, Pop, goddammit. I'm a person too. You're a moron. Greatest guitar in the world, Pop. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that dude went to the blackjack table and hit 21 every single time he hit a line. He was just absolutely on fire. Best yeah. man, the better man. He just I do love, not. Well, I do, love how it, I do love how it comes full circle in the end. And he's singing uh, True by Spanner Ballet at the yep. end of the movie. And dude, uh, <laughs> dude, he, he yells, they're going to be divorced in a year. <laughs> like you just you can't start the movie better than that. And and what I really liked about it is we talked about it earlier with, you know, Adam Sandler's departure of the man child. 
you know, you open this movie with such a crazy, chaotic, comedic, you know, jump start, and it's not Sandler. You know, he's he's still calm, cool, and collect, but you have that style of comedy, and you don't have to like make his character that goofy, you know, whack job wild card. Just give that to Bashemi and his crazy eyes and weird mustache. So, but what what caps that scene off too is so he makes the crazy drunk brother best man speech, and then Adam Sandler. Robbie steps in and saves the day by kind of filling in for the speech and kind of making up for it. And like, he kind of saves the day. And then they pan over to Brashemi, who's kind of drunk and teary eyed. And he says, <laughs> oh, he is a good wedding singer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was just like a great intro. And I feel bad because I feel like last week I also picked the intro for my, one of my stop it's, but it's you. Know, you could go so wrong on opening scenes, and this just did everything Nick, more, right. More when when George is singing, he's like, "Ooh, I like her." <laughs> oh, yep, yep. Oh <laughs> uh, well, those were the goods for us, and I'm glad that we all had very different opinions. So let's just get into the bads now. So we'll just kind of go around the clock again. Uh, Sil, bad. Stop it. What was one of your bad moments in this that kind of stuck out? Bad. I don't think anything was bad. Bad. I mean, there were some bad scene i feel a little bad because their airplane scene to me while it was like so romantic and 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 like you know touchy and whatever i feel like they threw like they threw order out of the board like, i don't know if it felt it felt like choppy and it felt like it wasn't as smooth as it could have been and it was like they were trying too hard it doesn't take away from being a really really awesome scene but i think what got me the most was the intro the intro is hilarious right all the scenes are just fun like it's hilarious it's it's setting up the movie by itself but then all the cuts to the text they get so overwhelming and intense and then when you're like a minute five there's like 37 cut to black to text and back to the show and then back to and you don't even know what's happening i don't know if you all like if you go back i don't want to ruin the movie but like pay attention you're gonna see at least 35 text with the bat black background before the movie actually starts. And you're like, dude, let me just enjoy what the fuck people are doing. Yeah. That w- that got me, that was bad, but I mean, yeah. that's editing and maybe people were sh- showcasing like the cool fonts and I don't know, animation <laughs> yeah. back then. Right. But being a critic right now was just, just a little different. And then that's why the airplane cut scene got me too. And I'm like, no fucking way. They're doing it again. At the end. <laughs> it's the same it's shot. Not, yeah, same shot. <laughs> don't. It's going to be so fun. Uh, but, you don't have the budget to just pay the guy to shoot different airplanes. Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. That was, that was, yeah, that, and that was like, bad. Very hard. Yeah. And, and even dissecting a good movie, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like maybe a bad scene, but like maybe just something doesn't make sense or like, so like you were saying those jump cuts, just like just a little weird, you know, but I, I, that airplane, I thought about that every time I watch it, it's just cuts back to the same, like little sound. And then the airplane, the little sound, the airplane. I, and I get it. They're trying to make it like they're on different planes, but you know, we, we know they're not. So it's, it's a little funky there, but Kevin, what, what was one of your stop? It's bad. There's a scene where right after he gets invited to the her engagement party and he goes to his sister's house because I guess he's supposed to babysit. And so he gets there and like sees his sister and then goes inside. That's where the two kids are like, hey, you're having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> it, and it, the whole scene's kind of short and it doesn't really make sense. Because, and then after the kids like, give him the business, his, his brother-in-law, Andy, I guess, calls him like over and says, hey, this is probably for the best. And then he 
kind of gets into this quick, weird conversation about, ah, it's for the best anyways. He's like, oh, your sister. And he starts telling him all these weird things about her doing like exotic <laughs> dancing and something about nipples. And I mean, if it's a special occasion, uh, she might uh, she might do this exotic dance for me. What? And sometimes she might, uh, you know, work with, with my nipples a little bit. All right, enough. Go out. I'll take care of the kids. And then it kind of like ends in this in, in talking about like a quick cut it like goes from right there to him going into the engagement party and you're almost like wait what that scene didn't finish and what was the purpose of it i don't know if it was bad editing or but that scene like added nothing and was kind of weird and i don't know why it was there well to kind of piggyback off that too doesn't he live with his sister and brother-in-law so why is he knocking on the door as if <laughs> yeah. he's coming i mean yeah he could be coming from somewhere else but it's like he's you live almost there. yeah he lives a- it's like He's that's leaving his very, house. That's to, a yeah. very good point. That's another movie mistake. <laughs> yeah. Before we go to Diaz, there's one thing. I, I have the movie in the background and I just noticed they had the uh, the car testing cone scene, blah, blah, blah. The license plate. <laughs> I finally caught it. The license plate of the limo driver is I am K-I-N-K-E. I'm kinky. <laughs> Fantastic. Just perfect fit for his character. Uh, Diaz, bad scenes or bad moments in scenes. What what do you got for this movie? Honestly, it's a funny moment, but stop it. There's no way they would have let him keep singing as a depressed wedding singer. I would have cut him off halfway through holiday, celebrate. You can't can't be that depressed at a wedding. Plus, as someone that got married, you threaten me with the microphone wire. You're getting fucked up at the wedding. (laughs) So that would be my stopping moment. I, as funny as it was, you, you, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> it got a little cringy there. It's like, bro, yeah, get yeah. him off. Get him off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll I'll before I'll let Jimmy go and then I'm gonna kind of piggyback off your your thought as well. So Jimmy, what do you got for your bad scenes? So my bad scene is like when I was twelve, I would have thought this was really funny, but I rewatched it like yesterday and I I was like, oh, this is just this dumb. It's just stupid humor is when they're all the bar mitzvah. And they're slow dancing and everyone's grabbing each other's butts. Like, you know, and then the, the old lady sitting down is just squeezing someone's like just ass just like and just sitting there squeezing it. And when I was like 12, I would have thought that was super funny. And then as I got older, I'm like, oh, there's Sandler being Sandler. Like just that classic man child well, humor. Like, we've, you know? like we mentioned in the last podcast, this movie wouldn't stand up well to today's like <laughs> no. norms. Um yeah, there's a bunch of things you could point out here that like are kind of cringy. Oh yeah, especially once you get to the the Glenn side of things. But uh, so my bad scene, I had I had a couple notes on these. So I'll just kind of piggyback and off of Diaz's point where the whole love stinks thing. We all love that scene, but there is no chance <laughs> that the band is going to play along with him. Like he, they're not going to learn love stinks and ruin their their careers and their future jobs from this wedding because you're going to have a neat, a very big come up to get hired at a wedding as a wedding singer. If at your previous wedding, you and the whole band played love stinks with audience participation and got <laughs> punched out by the the bride's dad. Yeah. That's just the band's not going along with that. They're not be like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's play love stinks at the wedding. That goes in your LinkedIn. You know, yeah. don't get me wrong. George was loyal, but I don't know if George was that loyal. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, but like they played it. The drummer was playing. The guitarist exactly. was playing. Everyone learned that song and they played it. Yeah, that that one was that was like I'll, I'll kind of put that into yours as well. But I guess the other scene that I saw that was like kind of bad that I was like I don't, this probably 
I don't know if I just buy it. It was the whole practicing of the first kiss on Robbie. Like you're just cheating on your fiance, like just just for educational purposes. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. That, that. that was going to be my tongue. ugly. That, that was going to yeah. be my uh, age like fine milk. That cannot yeah. happen. Yeah, no. But yeah, so those, that was my bad stuff. So let's get into the ugly stuff that just didn't really hold up to us over time. So we'll just kind of let's, let's reverse order a little bit. I'll give you mine real quick and then I'll we'll go down the horn. So my my ugly age like fine milk kind of deal is just sort of the whole idea of a wedding singer. That's not really a thing anymore. It's DJs. Every wedding I go to is now DJs. Or so band. this profession is sort of defunct at this point but that's kind of what aged poorly for me but uh jimmy what'd you have for the ugly uh the ugly for me and just it, nothing too bad it just the the character of glenn gulia <laughs> he's just such a piece of shit and uh you know openly cheats uh brags to robbie about you know him work you know working in new york and working late so you know he he doesn't have to you know really be involved with her or, you know, he can get away with it. Um, yeah, he's a scumbag. I mean, even just letting her not like sit, get the window seat, you know, just little things like that. He's just such a scumbag and he's okay with it. Like he's totally, you know, when Julia's sick at the bar and her cousin takes, um, her cousin takes her to the bathroom to go throw up and it's just Robbie and Glenn. And he's just creepily checking out the waitresses and bragging to Robbie that, you know, it's a good piece of meat, you know, just, yeah, Glenn. Glenn was a aged like five mil. Like, he's just a shitbag villain, but you know, uh, good villain, but shitbag. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely didn't pull any punches on his character. They they let you know, yeah, exactly yeah. how shitty he is. Like a classic eighties Wall Street cheetah praying underwear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, dude. Biff w- Biff would have been his personal assistant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's hilarious. Diaz, what do you got for the ugly? To piggyback off your stop it, the whole cheating on your fiance in the kitchen in your house in the morning to try a kiss. What was that? <laughs> yeah. Both now, cheaters in the relationship. It exactly, seems now. It, now that that's crazy. That I mean, not only that I've, that, you know, not to, for our younger viewers, there's adult films that start out just like that. <laughs> we need someone to help practice this on. And that's how <laughs> things take a turn. And then it has like the Disney, the the Disney music in the background. The, the when they make the kiss, like it's all lovey dovey. They just cheated. Yep. Just cheated. Help me load the washer. Well, yeah. that score that score kind of gives you a hint for exactly for the, the song. song. Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of gives you the hint that that's the. But yeah, no, that scene is yeah, ridiculous, but I ridiculous to me. And I love the loveliness of this movie, but that can't happen. That no. can't happen. Uh, Kevin, ugly. What do you got? What was with the meatball scene? What? what like, <laughs> oh my god! Like what? I don't do. Why? <laughs> yeah, why? What did that? End? What is? Where is that in the storyline? Which they just maybe they were just trying to indicate like that she's kind of not all there. But not only she puts the meatballs in there, she makes him take a bite, and then when he's going to leave, she grabs his hands like god. to say goodbye, and she's squishing the meatballs. <laughs> I I don't I don't I, I just think I just I think that's it. Robbie being a good guy. He's not gonna like pay make an old lady pay for like singing lessons. But no, I totally no. I totally yeah I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, but those meatballs what? always look super good every time yeah. I see that scene. No, listen, those meatballs aren't good. First of all, if they were good meatballs, they would have burned his hands. Those are cold, <laughs> dry meatballs. There was no sauce on his hands either. That's disgusting. You heard the sauce. That was meatball squishing. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I like to I like to watch your face when you enjoy them. Did not Too need much. to be there. I agree with that, Kevin. Too much. Oh God. So why don't we why don't you finish us on the stop it and uh, yeah. hit us with the last ugly? I think there's ugly enough, but I'm gonna throw a fashion ugly here. Why is Julia wearing combat boots for the whole movie? <laughs> she does. This, this bitch is on combat boots everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I, is I that, don't know. was that an eighties thing or I like a nineties? Do you go to the like they were in a nightclub and this I gotta throw up fucking Mortal Kombat front flip <laughs> on top of the table. I'll be right back. I'm like, dude, I don't know. I mean, you guys told my I, I'm like scraping the bottom of the pan here. No, not face. for nothing, Sliv. You're right on that note because she's a waitress too, and she's wearing boots <laughs> as a waitress. Yeah, she's got she's ready, bro. She's ready to go <laughs> at any time. I mean, I I told the same thing to my wife. She's like. It's just who she is. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but that does make sense too, because that's something else that we sort of missed out where everyone is so 80s in this movie. She does not look like that. She looks like 90s. Like she's yeah, got the boots, which is like a 90s thing. She's got that little like grungy haircut, which is like super 90s. I don't think that was really a big no, 80s haircut. She would have had leg warmers if it was the 80s. Yeah, so it it does seem like she, her character is sort of like Out maybe we already put her in the time machine and brought her to a different year. I don't know. There we go. That's what I was saying. All right. What will we add to this thing? Montage madness, music, action sequence, sex scenes, slow motion sweat, or a makeover? Does any of these make this movie better or funnier? Jimmy, anything? Did any of these stand out that could be added? No, I, I think it's perfect. Like back to back weeks of like nothing I'd really change. I really love, I love the soundtrack. I love every scene. Every scene that pops up is a new, is a new 80s song or a different, you know, and I, I love it. I wouldn't change a thing. I, I really like it. I thought they did a really, uh, you know, obviously yes. Like Drew Barrymore does seem now that I think about it, a little out of the decade or out of the times with how she's dressed. But overall, I mean, that's just nitpicking. I think it's a great film uh, from what for what it is. Um, so I wouldn't change a thing. No. Now, Diaz, these are I mean, all of these are quintessential to those 80s and 90s movies. So is there any place for one of these in this movie for you? Oh, yes. It's just missing one montage. When he starts realizing how much he likes Julia, there was a chance for a cutaway scene of him. Having like a, oh, I don't want to say like having a sex scene, but like having a fantasy with her with the perfect 80s song in the background. I want to know what love is. <laughs> I want you to show. And he could have fantasized about Julia in some awkward, stupid 80s fantasy in his head. And it would have been perfect. And then he like Sammy could have been like, you're right there, buddy. And he could have been like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. They could yep. have had a fantasy moment of some stupid ridiculousness. And it would have just added a little bit more comedic to it. Like. Some some random, like I said, with that song playing, just that part of the song, too. I want to know what love is. Now, I'm very curious if that was thought about. And if it was, I'm curious if they decided not to because of the parallels that that would be to the Happy Gilmore ones, okay. right? Where he's like imagining grandma winning the lottery or yeah. whatever. And then they have Shooter come and give her, you know, making out when it turns bad. Yeah, yeah. Like, But that same thing, yes, I agree. That would have been happy a place. perfect moment. Just that song, just that song would have been perfect in this movie for no reason. Yeah. I mean, it came Kevin, out in 84, so it would have been yeah. you know, a year a year before. So, yeah. yeah. Kevin, anything that you would add from that list? Yeah. The only thing that I would have added if they could have pulled it off was to pull in even more 80s music icons, like throughout the, either throughout the film or, or maybe in the final scene, but pulling in like Cyndi Lauper, 
Pat Benatar. And at some point in the movie, George runs into Culture Club or Boy George. <laughs> yeah, that was a missed opportunity to not have that. Sill, anything you'd add from this list? Yeah, so uh, touching based on, on what, what Dia said. So apparently Adam Sandler said he didn't want any sex scenes in the movie. Oh. Uh, he, it was like a decision by, by, made by himself. He said he didn't want to. And he got an interview and, and Conan O'Brien, he said, the main reason for not having a sex scene is I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I started when I was pretty young. I was like, ah, yeah, better. The, the older I get, the better I get. And uh, still not good. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not. But whatever. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. They never, but I, uh, I don't think I'm with Jimmy. I don't I think we have to add a lot of things here to this movie, but I would have liked for Sammy to instead of taking the Michael Jackson glove right away, he would have like done some move. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> a little spin. Like, yeah, it would have been like, no, 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 watch this. The glove stays. And he just like busts him. That'd be so funny. <laughs> I do love when Sammy teaches the old man to moonwalk in the bar. The drunk guy yeah. in the bar. Oh my God. Yeah. The drunk As guy you leave and you leave and Sammy's got his whole jacket on and everything. And then <laughs> he does. Scene, they come back in. Now the old guys, the drunk guys wearing the jacket and he's teaching him <laughs> to moonwalk across the bar. Dude, uh, I'll play off a little bit that of of what you were talking about. A sex scene. I wanted like a really bad, non graphic, but bad montage of like one night stand hookups of yeah, Robbie. Yeah. Like, he was in that depressed rebellion. I would have extended that like rebellious phase where we were at that bar area and put like really bad hookups in there to like. And then it's like, oh, okay, no, the right answer is right there. You know, at that point, he thought that Julia was a lost cause. You know, she's happy. He just went to her house and saw her, you know, appearing all happy, looking in the mirror in her dress. And he just goes on this terrible bender of like. With, with all the mutants from Table the 9. Mutants, the mutants at Table 9, you know, you could, just ridiculousness. And it becomes a little mini hangover movie within a movie. Yes, yes. So you could have extended it a little bit. I know that's not really the style, but I think it would have fit and would have been funny. Uh, what if we are going to pick or try to do our best to pick a moment from this movie and imagine what if you know this happened? How would this play out differently? How would the movie go and, and so forth? So, Sil, we'll start with you and we'll kind of go backwards again. Was there a moment in this that you thought like, well, what if this happened? How would it change the trajectory of this movie? I think, I think maybe landing the plane. What if they would have not done the whole thing in the movies and the plane, and they actually do it in Vegas? That would have been a cool mm, different. That would been good. Twist. Yeah, but nothing. Like you had to I mean, find her there, right? I mean, oh, she's in a plane to Vegas. I'm not going to be able to find her. Oh, hold on, let me ride the same plane as her. What? Mm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was but yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. That was easier than looking her in Vegas, I guess, but. Yeah. Yeah. What if like they land and they had to like just like I don't know. Yeah, it would have added like twenty more minutes to the movie. Maybe. Yeah. And uh yeah, what if? That was that was a pretty convenient part. Uh Kevin, what if? Did you find any moments in this movie that you know maybe could have gone differently or, or anything like that? Well, I guess based on the the notion that the storyline was very predictable, which is fine. We nobody cares. That's not why you're in this in this movie. But what if the story ends where something just prevents them from getting together and the, the, the movie ends with it was a nice try but she goes her way and he goes his he you know she marries glenn or whatever and she becomes julia gulia gulia julia's last name is gonna be gulia julia gulia that's funny why is that funny i don't know 
and, <laughs> and he goes off and I don't know, gets back with Linda or whatever the case may be. But it, you know, because you're so you're so convinced almost from the beginning that you know the outcome, and then they they slap you in the face at the end, and it's like, nope. Mm-hmm. Diaz, any any what ifs on this? Um, what if they actually both married who they were supposed to marry? What would happen? Like, what if he ended up with Linda and she ended up with Glenn? I think if that happened, they still will end up. I don't know what that is about this movie. It made me a softie. I believed in them both. Like, I feel like if they married the significant others they were supposed to marry, they would have stayed friends because they were in that small little town. I think they would have ended up cheating on each other's significant others and ended up together. I think what if it, it just delayed it? What if this happened not in the 80s was their marriage and in the 90s was their divorce and they get married in the 90s? That's my what if. I like that one. Jimmy, what if anything in this movie? I know these are these this is a little bit of a, a, a tougher category. Yeah, this would have probably shortened the movie a little bit, but what if like when Robbie was walking down the street and he sees Julia in the window and when Julia's you know saying, you know, Mrs. Robbie Hart in the mirror and then she caught Robbie's eye before, you know, Robbie just thinks he's she's just happy in her wedding dress. Like what if she found him? And she raced down the stairs and they like embraced each other and got together then, you know, and, and told each other how they felt. Uh, I think that would have been the closest thing to my what if. Well, if he had yeah. pulled a George McFly and climbed the tree, he would have seen she was talking to the mirror. You're right. that, you know what? That would, that would have been a really funny 80s reference, too. If, uh, <laughs> if like if Robbie <laughs> fell out of the tree and got hit by a car or something. He had binoculars. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been like a really funny reference. I don't know how it would work in this Dinette, but like that would have been a fun like 80s reference, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how this would have gone, but my what if, what if Glenn walked in five minutes earlier while him and Julia were kissing? Hey, I kissed her, but it didn't mean anything. I just brought her the jacket. Kissed who? Oh, me. Who hasn't? No, that like, just, it probably would have interrupted the flow of the story, but I, I bet there's some, some story beats there that, you know, could have come out because you could have played on the fact that you know glenn is mad that she's cheating but all he does is cheat and it's just like you know he puts her through all this grief for no reason i think the story still could have gone the way it had but maybe had that little extra beat in there of just ironic comedy uh but again this what if stuff is pretty tough because i feel like most what ifs just kind of end the movie (laughs) that's just yeah unfortunately what does it it's like what if he would have gotten the job with mr sims yeah Yep. And then at the, the bank? Scene. Yeah, at the <laughs> bank. <scene>. Yeah. <laughs> no, sir, I have no experience, but I'm a big fan of money. I like it. I use it. I have a little. I keep it in a jar on top of my refrigerator. I'd like to put more in that jar. That's where you come in. <laughs> I have a little like bit of it. More. I keep How it in a jar. Ten singing lessons <laughs> for one business card. <laughs> yeah. That's a good that's a good scene too. I feel like that scene gets overlooked because of how small it is. It's true, like, like you said, whole, I, I like money. I, I like spending money. I don't have money. I'd like to have more. I use it sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's put this thing, let's put this movie into the time machine now, huh? Let's bring this to 2024 and let's cast forward. Let's recast this movie with some present day actors, actresses, director. You know, there's there's no real limit of who, what, when, where, why. And, you know, you could pick whoever during this present day. But who are we casting as these characters? So, Jimmy, who did you have for cast members for let's let's just go in order, I guess. So I, I guess everybody probably casted Robbie. So, Jimmy, who would you cast in the lead as this? Robbie's tough. Uh, phew, Robbie's really tough. 
Jason Siegel comes to mind. I think Jason, because Jason Siegel is another guy that kind of implements his music in the movies, uh, like in Forgetting Sarah Marshall with the Dracula musical, uh, which is funny because <laughs> side note here, he was writing that Dracula musical while writing Sarah Marshall and put that into his movie. And you know what? Yeah, I say, or I think he, I think he would be great because you actually there are some parallels to you know he he is super heartbroken when Sarah Marshall breaks up with him. He does go through that like awkward, weird like montage of sex scenes. He's depressed. He goes to Hawaii, and then he obviously meets Mila Kunis's character, and then kind of you know becomes happier. And I think I think Jason Segel would have been a really good role for that. Like who's a great, like a sing, like a Sammy, like who's a great like wingman? I, it's so obvious. It's just like like maybe Seth Rogen as like the limo driver. Yeah, but for George, <laughs> uh, Jonathan from uh, Queer Eye, the guy that wears the, the dresses, jo- <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, that would be that would be my for <laughs> for, uh, for George. Uh, love interest wise. Uh, for for Drew Barrymore's character Julia, oh boy! I mean, it, you know, it'd be great to see uh, like a reunion, you know, like with like Kristen Bell. I think Kristen Bell would be a really good like with you know Jason Segel. Take that, take that cast from Sarah Marshall and kind of yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, different tale. It, they kind of are similar movies, and uh, Kristen Bell's a very you know down to earth has that really nice uh, bubbly personality. Very sweet, just like Julia's character. So I think uh, I think that'd be my Julia. As far as Glenn, Glenn, oh boy, uh, who would be my Glenn? Who's always who's man? Who's been like the Hollywood asshole lately? That's gonna be a tough one. I have a couple for that. We can look. Yeah. We can, we'll, we'll swing yeah, around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me put a pin on that. Like I'd like to hear. You know, just yeah, absolutely. So Diaz, who do you got? Because you were taught you have a big oh, cast on oh, this thing. Oh, so listen, who's, let's listen. hear your cast. We're, I'm we're, excited for this. We're, we're gonna go down the list. This the first time I watched this the other day. This is all I did for the first hour was cast this movie. So <laughs> uh, let's start at the beginning. Steve Buscemi's role. You got to recast that role for that opening scene. And there's no other than these two comedians, either one of them, Bill Burr or Jim Jeffries, will be Steve <laughs> Belushi's character in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, Bill Burr, really <laughs> angry toast. <laughs> Bill Burr or Jim Jeffries because of his accent and the way he talks to He's that uh, Australian comedian. It's pretty funny. So that would be Steve Buscemi's role would be Bill Burr. Because I can also see Bill Burr singing It's True at the end of the movie. So he yeah. would be my Steve Buscemi. George, I'm going to take your Ronnie, Jimmy. My George would have been Jason Siegel Because something about seeing him dressed up as a woman would have been hilarious. <laughs> so George would have been Jason Siegel in my eyes. I'm surprised no one. Uh, you said Sammy. You said Seth Rogen. I see Sammy as Vince Vaughn. Okay. Yep. The, uh, it would and be that Vin- swingers action. Exactly. Wedding crashers. Either Vince Vaughn or the actor that reminds me of you, Nick, Jake Johnson from New Girl. Oh, yep. The guy from Jurassic Park and all that. I could see him being Sammy. Um, my Julia, Hillary Duff. Okay. Hillary right. Duff. That'd be a good comeback for her. Yep. Hillary Duff. And if, you know, if I had to, I'll, I'll leave it at Hillary Duff. I got a couple other ones, but I don't want to take this other name. Actually, I'll say it, and hopefully you guys didn't take it as well. It's either Hillary Duff or Jennifer Lawrence. I think she can do it as well. Mm, she can do a lot of yeah. things. She's beautiful. <laughs> that girl's beautiful. But <laughs> Hillary Duff or Jennifer Lawrence is my Julia. My Holly, Amanda Seyfried. I think Siegfried. I always say her name wrong. The girl with the big-ass eyes. Okay. Uh, yep. Karen from uh, Mean Girls. The one yes. That has ESPN. Her as Holly as the hoe or Hayden Pelletier. 
Claire from Heroes could also be Holly. Claire. Yeah. Glenn Arrow, baby. Stephen Amell could be Glenn. I could see that. <laughs> nice. Or Charlie Hunnam. Jack's from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Yep. Um, if you wanted to, Oh, by the way... <laughs> And we got to cast the old man from the bar, Kev. This is for you. The old man you from got? the bar, Ed O'Neill, Al Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> Al Bundy could be like, you need a prostitute. And I could see that coming out of Al Bundy's voice. I like those. But So that would that would be my cast. And I have a diverse cast, but I'll talk about that after if we were to diversify this. But yeah. yeah. All right. So, Kevin, who who would you cast in this if we made this today? Oh, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot one. I'm so sorry. Grandma Stifler's mom. Oh, God. What is her name? Jennifer Jimmy, you know it. Her. Jennifer cool. Yeah, that's grandma. Well, we keep Jimmy around for Mr. IMDb. Kevin, what do you got for this movie then? Yeah. For well, the I, I, I picked off the top the top two characters here, obviously. So I, for Robbie, I've got Andy Samberg. Mm. Yep. Again, yep. another musically inclined comedian. And going with an SN, you know, SNL theme here for um, Julia Kate McKinnon. Mm, that would be it. I'd like to see that movie. Runner ups kind of too old, probably if we're casting for current day. But I mean, Jack Black would probably be like the perfect candidate for a wedding singer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Silvio, what do you have for recasts? Let's see. Had a hard time. I mean, finding another Robbie is kind of hard for right now. But I think uh, Zoe Deschanel would do a good Julia. Mm. Yep. I see that. I definitely see that. Yeah. Uh, for Glenn, I mean, you can, you can, you can throw Chris Pratt back there in, in his beginnings. He used to be the brat. So seeing Glenn, Chris Pratt will do a good Glenn. And for Sammy, I mean, I think Donna Glover will be a good Sammy. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> yeah. Donna Glover would crush it as Sammy. I think it would be as hilarious. I don't know. Robbie, <laughs> Robbie's just hard. You could get like Ryan Gosling, whatever, but then he'll take the fun out of it. Or like John Krasinski. He has like that goofy face, but then he's like, I don't know. So I, I do like the Jason the Jason Siegel uh, option there. I got a couple. I I did the the top f- I did the couples, really. I did Robbie, Julia, Glenn, and Linda. So for, for Robbie, I would throw, and I'm surprised you didn't take him, Jimmy. Adam Devine, workaholics. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been great a great little singery kind of guy too. And then my backup is uh singery kind of guy. <laughs> Yeah, he likes singing every now and then. He's, He's great. not great at it. My backup for Robbie, I actually think it would be funny to see Steven Yun from Invincible and Beef. Yeah. He did really good on yeah. those shows. I think he could pull off a good comedy like that. Uh, Julia, I have Anna Kendrick. Just oh, that classic yeah. girl next door. Nice. Uh, Glenn, I got two. One's a little bit older. Uh, my older Glenn would be George Clooney because... Wow. He, just, he looked a little older in this movie as well, too. So I wanted to play with that age difference. Uh, or Rob McClenny from It's Always Sunny. Yeah. Uh, ne- speaking of which, I just thought of two Glens, actually. Now, if I was going to stick with the like Judd Apatow kind of theme, you know, just with like Siegel or Rogan as Sam, I would use Danny McBride as, oh, a, God. Possible, as a possible uh, Glen. But then I thought, like, if I wanted, like, a classic 80s Wall Street just jerk, uh, Justin Thoreau, you know? Remember remember when he guest starred a little bit as in Parks and Rec as Leslie's yep, boyfriend, the yep, lawyer that yep, everyone thought yep. was super cool? But, you know, Ron kind of tells Leslie in so many words, like, he's a selfish person. You know, he just, you know, he just wants the stories. He doesn't really care to. Um, Justin Thoreau plays a pretty good. I, I, bag. I just yeah. realized something. I never gave you guys my Ronnie. How'd I skip Ronnie? <laughs> um, my Ronnie's Charlie Day 
from Sonny's. Oh, yep. I can see him, and um, that would be my Ronnie. And I forgot Linda. Linda would be Kat Dennings from um, Two Broke Girls and from Thor. Oh, yeah. Wanda, WandaVision. Yep. And Thor. Yeah, and, and Wanda, yep. She, she'd be my Linda. And then, let's see, who else? Oh, I had I had one more. I had my Linda. My Linda I have as Sarah Highland from Modern Family. <laughs> okay. Did anybody go through and recast a director at all? I'm interested. Jimmy, do you have a director in mind for this? Probably because it leans on the heavy. It, it does kind of bounce back a little bit between the comedy and the, and the, you know, almost like it kind of at some points does become a dramedy. Uh, and there's no one better than that as far as probably Apatow. You know, mm-hmm. you look at another collaboration he did with Adam Sandler, funny people. There are those classic moments of, you know, great written humor, you know, written humor between the, the bounce backs between the characters and stuff, especially like four year old virgin. Like I would probably use him. I mean, it'd probably be a two and a half hour movie, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would use him, especially if I'm going to use like Danny McBride as like bully Glenn, uh, you know, uh, Jason Siegel. I would, I would, I would use Apatow. Yeah. I'll, I'll piggyback off you. Cause that's who I picked for my director as well. I know we said he did some early punch-ups on this as well, but I think this, this theme screams Apatow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- yeah. I think, I think he's it'd be a little choice. more silly. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not silly. I think it'd be a little more serious. Oh, kind of like the dark humor. I, you know, with, with funny people, I think he would kind of hone in on that. Like Robbie's like loneliness and heartbreak with like little silly bits throughout. But I think overall, I think he would make a really good film. Yeah. Uh, D, did you have anybody other than Apatow for directing? I did. The Farley Brothers. If we're going to do slapstick, oh. uh, can get real. I'd take the Farley Brothers. They're due for a hit. And I think yep. they can do, they can do really, t- time-based comedy. King they're King really good great. at that, too. Yeah. So uh, I, I would moments. say the Farley Brothers on that. That'd be a good one. Like Shallow Kevin. Hal. They have those sweet exactly. moments, too. Yeah. That, that's Kevin, a great Do you have a director? <laughs> did you have a director for this one, Kevin? I, I did because I was thinking to myself, something comedic with singing. And the first thing that came to mind was the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Coen brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yep. That'd be a good one too. We got two brothers up for up for this movie, two different sets of brothers directing this new future movie of ours. Uh, Silvio, polish us off here. Do you have another director in mind? Negative. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like Apatow, like this is like his wheelhouse. I feel like this was... <laughs> Maybe because of the punch-ups he did, maybe that altered his trajectory. And he likes playing with these rom-com themes. That's just a big part of his catalog, which is right up his alley. Yeah, it's funny. I just watched. I just watched Knocked Up, and it was hilarious. And it's you could you could see that relationship right there too. Like he he would do a good oh, job. This is forty, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of parallels for sure. Time warp. Where are these characters today? You know, sort of. You know, we can't really tell you for sure, but from our best inclinations, what, what, what happened with these people? Kevin, where do you think the characters from this movie are today? They own a 80s-themed restaurant and lounge where Robbie still performs. All right. Still gets to keep his musical musical act a part of his job. There you go. Diaz, what do you think? Um, Julia and Robbie stood in that town. They have a house. Rob has a music store. He teaches lessons to kids. For meatballs. He's, uh, he's still, yeah, <laughs> she cooks meatballs because she followed the recipe she got from grandma. It's, it's called meatballs music. Meatballs music. They still hang out with uh, Sammy and Holly, who are also together. And Robbie's trying to form a band with his nephews and his and his kids. His right. little nephews are now in Robbie's band. So Very happy ending for everybody. Jimmy, what did you think? Uh, as far as like in the future and stuff, 
Uh, yeah. So I think there's a little more success with Robbie. So one thing that, you know, it alludes to in the movie that he always wanted to be like a rock star and stuff, but his favorite thing, he said he loved writing music. So I think he, with Julia, you know, giving him that push and that support when she actually, had, when when Robbie comes home from the bank and she presented him with that gift of sheet music and, ah, oh, I'm an idiot, you know, <laughs> I think he, I think he achieved his dream of being a, uh, you know, a famous singer or songwriter. I think he wrote songs and extremely successful with that and they have a good Again, another happy ending sylvia what do you think do you think these characters are still on the happy road i think so i, I don't think they moved out of the where they lived i think they own the restaurant a restaurant and they have meatballs in the menu everybody that gets married there i mean they they get him i also think glenn got a bunch of kids that just came back that to haunt him you know like different girls and he's like a proud father of three non-proud father of five (laughs) has like four baby mamas yeah yeah that sounds about par for the course yeah because of alimony now linda (laughs) never saw linda again he's in rehab uh yeah yeah she could be so yeah yeah so yeah i can't well i guess i can believe it i'm more of the cynical one so i i do not have happy endings on this movie I just don't talk about Glenn. I, you know, still I, I buy in on the whole multi kid thing, but I also think he's in jail. I think he gets popped for like insider trading or something like that. And Ross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. DeLorean I, I think Glenn's, full of cocaine. Yeah. He, he got popped. He's in jail. I don't think, I think Julia and, and Robbie don't make it. I think just based off the fact that Julia went from being on the plane to go get married to the guy that she wasn't going to get married to, to getting married to Robbie, Seems a little indecisive in, in big life decisions. So I, I I don't think it's a happy ending for them. I think they are divorced. Uh, I think she might be a little pen pal letter to Glenn. And I think after the wedding singer career becomes a little defunct by the whole DJ aspect, Robbie has written a song about killing himself. I think that might be the route that Robbie takes. I don't know. Tears running constantly. Oh, somebody kill me, please. Somebody kill me, please. On my knees, pretty, pretty, please. Kill me. It's a pretty dark song. I don't care that he was listening to The Cure. He's He's got some demons, so I don't... Either that Love or he's stinks. like... Yeah, yeah, just put a bullet in my head. Like, oh, he might be goner. I don't know. I If Julia leaves him, if if he's... If lost, he's lost know, Linda and Julia. Yeah, and yeah. Linda's just on the road just being a, you know, a, a, a groupie for whichever, you know, probably at this point, like Green Day or Blink-182 or, or, you know, one of those bands that have were popular during her day and are just having that come up and yeah, I don't know. I think Robbie's just, I think it's a, I don't think it's a happy ending. It's unstable. Yeah. It just, the relationship wasn't built on a, you know, extreme foundation. So I I think it's Rocky. I think the dominoes fall for them. Prequel, sequel, remake, spinoff or pass. What are we doing with this movie? Should any of these happen? Jimmy, what do you think? No, I think it's simple for what it is. I think it's a great like late '90s comedy set in the '80s. Uh, I mean, you know, like low budget kind of film. Uh, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch a thing. I would leave it. Yeah, Diaz. Uh, you can redo it. Just move it up a decade. Make it an ultra '90s 
stupid baggy clothes, backward hats, like literally make it a stupid 90s movie. You can easily redo this. Regular cast the way it is, diversify it, doesn't matter. You can take this concept and just move it up a decade. Make a yeah, 90s yeah. nostalgic comedy. Do the same thing. There's legs there. Yeah. Kevin, what do you think? I think it's there's nothing screaming for like a sequel or a prequel. Um, I could see maybe a spinoff of uh, John Lovett's Jimmy Moore character <laughs> where he goes off and has his own adventures. Kind of unrelated, but a spinoff. Yeah, he's yeah. sort of the unsung That's hero hilarious. of this one. Sylvia, what do you think? We touching this movie? No, I mean, I think to your point earlier, I mean, nobody's going to go watch The Wedding Singer 2. Like, <laughs> there's not a thing. But maybe the DJ sing, the DJ player, <laughs> you know, the wedding DJ. That's what I'm saying. The 90s, do it. The yeah, 90s, yeah. Do it. Wedding, the, the, the wedding DJ. Yeah, the wedding, yeah. So, but no. And, and my prequel, I mean, oof, I don't even know what you feed off. What do people used to do? Robbie, like, Robbie and the clarinet? band. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It'd yeah, be so I, funny I, to make a movie of like, I don't know, the 1500s people getting married. Like, what do they celebrate? <laughs> like a bunch of like drums. And uh, that's so funny. Yeah, I this, this movie doesn't scream, you know, that it needs to be brought up with anything really. You know, I don't think a sequel works. You know, I don't think there's a spinoff. I'm just going to pass. I'm going to let this movie stand where it is, you know, as it is. That's, I don't think there's really necessary adjustments that need to be made. You know, there could be fun stuff. You know, we casted it this in present day time and that would be fun and all, but I think just for what it is, I, I kind of like where it's at. The running solo award script direction, acting or other, what made this movie for you? So Jimmy, what won this award? What made this movie so spectacular? Uh, the timepiece. I love the 80s. Uh, you know, I love the music. I thought the soundtrack was great. I wouldn't change a thing with it. I, that's that's my solo award, I guess I would say, is probably the soundtrack. Sound? That's good. Diaz, what, what took it home? The screenwriting of Robbie Hart's character. This is the first time you saw a different side of Adam Sandler. This director, this screenwriter looked at Adam Sandler and said, you're more than just a comedian. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that showed, and he is. He's a great actor. He's not just a great comedian. He's a great actor. So my running solo would be Adam Sandler's performance on this. He gave you a little taste of what you know, but showed you a whole different side of himself. It is good because like it is that comedy, but he's not really super over the top comedic with it. So it's like a nice blend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin, what's the what what made this movie for you? I probably have to agree. It's it's the soundtrack. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it plays hand in hand with the setting, the fashion, how they captured the '80s. But they couldn't. You couldn't have done it without the music, the the soundtrack, the quintessential like pop hit of of the '80s. And they, I mean, they picked a great selection of songs that really made you live, relive the '80s. So I think it has to be the soundtrack as well. Yeah, Silvio, what, yeah. what's what is it for you? Yeah, I make I make sure both. Like the soundtracks are just uh, they're just classic after classic after classic, and and maybe back then they were not classics, but they're right now they're just awesome. I think they even do it too much, you know. Like I don't know if you remember that that scene when she's like listening to Love Balloons. It's like a like a three second transition shot, and it's like maybe unnecessary, but like they throw that you know they just throw it in there, just all the songs bring them in. But uh, I think it makes for for a really good. Um, really good movie and and yeah <clears throat> Adam Sandler does does take it home you know there's like that innocence when he plays these characters right in his universe or whatever and it just you get drawn to it you know it, it was um, it's good yeah I for me I gave it to the secondary characters I think I mean all the comedy came from them for the most part but they Sammy George Rosie 
Dave, Jimmy Moore, the flock of sequels guy at the end, you know, those secondary <laughs> characters. Table nine. Yeah, the table nine mutants, the lady with sideburns, fatso over there. Like I just the secondary characters for me, just like Bride's father. When I think of this movie, the funny moments, like they are all of them. The yeah. Steve Buscemi character, it just oh god, George with his stupid trombone and the, the, the clarinet and the, the clarinet. Oh, just, uh, yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta come back in there turning on George here. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> You well, suck. He, well, he only has one song. He's got a lot yeah. more songs. <laughs> God, but the secondary really characters for me just, me just nailed it. But yeah, that's that's where that kind of takes it takes it home for me. So I guess before we jump out, let's just kind of stack this thing up a little bit. You don't have to have rankings or anything in particular, but like let's just talk Adam Sandler movies for a second before we jump off. And you know, where does this fall in the list of of Sandler movies? What's above it? What's below it? You know, just a quick little rundown i guess of where this lands for you in this in the sandler verse uh jimmy what do you where is this for you this has always been a number one of mine this little nicky and i'd probably say happy gilmore would be my my three but this has always been just a great adam sandler just a fun comedy yeah uh diaz where's it where's it stack up for you it's 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 in my top uh I, I, it's, a, it's, it's a, tough. It, yeah, he has a lot of movies. It's it's in my top five Adam Sandler movies, and it's it just I don't know. I gotta watch them side by side. It might be his best romantic comedy, but it's Fifty First Dates is a good movie. Like it's it's either one or two, and I don't know. It's in my top five. Yeah, uh, Kevin, is this in your top five, top three? Where is it? It's almost two different categories for him, right? I mean, if it's if it's the rom com. I mean, Fifty First Dates probably beats this one. I agree. If you want Adam Sandler, his his goofy his his character, the Water Boy. Yeah, so that's a good I mean, one. Too. I mean, oh, if you, oh, guys, I guess two. I guess it's, it's number two behind Fifty First Dates. I guess. Yeah. You know what I just uh, forgot about? I just sorry. I just forgot about a great underrated Adam Sandler film uh, that no one really ever talks about. He is one of the main characters. He's not the main character, but have you guys ever seen Airheads with Brendan Fraser and Steve Buscemi where they hold the radio station hostage? Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stab you in my head with what? <laughs> my dick! I completely <laughs> forgot about I completely forgot about Airheads. What a great film. That's a great... Uh, I love that movie. Because <laughs> that's so early. I mean, that's 94. That's right after... Yeah. You know, That's before Madison and everything yeah. like that. So that's, that's an early one. Sylvia, where does this stack up for you in the Sandlerverse? I don't know. I mean, I don't think I have enough critical knowledge of the other ones. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and it's if this if this is this is the first one that made him over the hundred million dollars, right? I mean, it definitely was it was a killer movie. So I, I got to be at the top for me. Yeah, it's it's tough for me. I grew up on this style, you know, Happy Gilmore. I think is always going to be my number one. I just I rewatched that VHS so much that it didn't work anymore. Uh, I love Billy Madison. It's it's in there. I think it's in the top five for sure. I this isn't a joke, but I love and I go back to rewatch. It's his newest thing or one of his newest things. But Hubie Halloween on Netflix is. Just, I ha- I haven't seen that. Is that that good, Nick? It is. It is just dumb. Adam Sandler at his finest. It is. Okay. It's just a a culmination of like all of his previous kind of characters and casts, and okay. you know, Bashemi's in it. And a funny little tie-in, I guess, with with this movie and those ones is in in Hubie Halloween and in Hotel Transylvania. I believe Steve Buscemi plays a werewolf 
style character or a werewolf. And then in this movie, when he's drunk and he drops his glass outside, he does the, oh, <laughs> <laughs> as he's falling. Well, to piggyback, to piggyback off Hubie Halloween, that's him and Julie Bowen's second movie together, or Bowen's sorry, second uh, movie together. Because remember, she's a love interest in Happy Gilmore. And yes. Julie Bowen's uh, the mom from Modern Family, uh, Claire Dunphy. I and forgot that, that's her. Yeah, that's uh, that's Julie Bowen. Um, you so, are one hundred percent correct. That is Claire Dunphy. Yeah, because uh, I remember <laughs> I remember her from Hubie when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's Claire. But yep. I did not remember that was her in Happy Gilmore. Yeah, that's a very young Julie Bowen. And I mean, yeah, that's ninety six. So that's that was older, but it stacks up there. It's in the top five for sure. I. I don't know which order, but it's up there. I, it's definitely one of the more forgotten ones that I just, I haven't gone back to too often, but now that I have, it's it's up there for sure. Well, that about wraps it up for this week on the Pop-Torn Time Machine. Did anybody have any final thoughts on this movie before we put it back into the time machine, send it back to the year that it belongs at 98, and then we will kind of leave it there for history? Any thoughts, Jimmy? Any any last moments on this thing? No, I've got nothing. I, I think we we wrapped up. We talked about pretty much everything. I think it was a it's a it's a fun film. It's a really fun film. All right, Diaz. Any anything else you need to say before we put this thing back? Listen, it's a great movie, and we all know it's true. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kevin, anything else? I would just like to say. So it's tough to follow that one right there, but anything for you or are we putting this thing back into the, the machine and sending it back to 98? Nope. Like, and subscribe if you can. 98. <laughs> there it is. All right. Well, until next time, this is the popcorn time machine and we'll be bringing you back another classic from the eighties or nineties next time. So be sure to follow us on our socials. Again, that's Instagram. You can find us at popcorn time machine pod, or if you want to follow us on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and like all that stuff over there. Popcorn time machine podcast, and we will see you all next time. Good wedding singer. <laughs> <laughs>